He is risen. It is Resurrection Sunday, and we get to celebrate this outrageously good news with brothers and sisters all across the world. Now, for you, I recognize that you're celebrating with us virtually, and right now I'm preaching to an empty room. But you know, one thing is interesting. Did you know that the first Easter sermon was preached to an empty room, an empty space? No one was around to even hear the message. I know you might be thinking it was when the angel first spoke to the women. No, 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 that wasn't it. It was before that. It was the stone, the, the, the rock that was rolled away. It preached the first sermon that Easter Sunday morning. You remember what Jesus had said, don't you? He, he said that if the people failed to praise him, then the rocks would cry out. And that's indeed what happened. Jesus, he was brought before Pilate and Pilate then turned him over to the people and the people, well, no, they didn't praise him. No, they cheered and they wanted Barabbas alive and they wanted Jesus dead. There was no need to take a poll, no need for people to go to a ballot. No, it was a landslide and it was clear they wanted Barabbas alive and Jesus dead. Pilate knew it. Jesus knew it. Everybody knew it. And so it was the rock that indeed did cry out. The rock was the first one to tell creation, to tell the women as they were approaching that something had happened, that something was different. The tomb, it echoed that he has risen. And now this resurrection morning, as we celebrate together all these years later, we go back to that Friday, to the death of Christ, because without death, there can be no resurrection. So let's see these last words that Jesus spoke from the cross. We'll continue in our series, just these conversations that Jesus had from the cross. Let's check it out. John chapter 19, verse 30. It reads, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He said, it is finished, and he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. It had been several agonizing hours, just hours of complete pain and torture. His torture on the cross, the crucifixion, it lasted longer than the trial itself. And now as he's dying, as he's bleeding, as he's suffocating, he speaks one last word. Now, I know in English, it's three words. It is finished. But in Greek, it's just one word, tetelestai. It is finished. It's the cry of an exhausted runner who is in the last several yards and he can see the finished tape and he pushes his chest across the line and the race is over. It's been won. It's, it's, it's finally finished. It is finished. What's finished? What's finished? What is finished is the work that God had started. It's now finished. This great story of salvation, this great story of redemption from that first question in the garden when God asked man, where are you? God had in mind, he had a plan, he had in his heart, this plan that would stretch across time and space to redeem his people, to reclaim his people. Oh, you see the plan, it runs through Adam and through Moses and through David and through Elijah and through Isaiah and through Jeremiah and through all of the prophets. And then finally, finally, at just the right time, Jesus was born. At just the right time, Jesus lived. And at just the right time, Jesus died. And at just the right time, Jesus was raised from the dead. It is finished.
Everything God wanted to do in order to get humanity back, everything God had to do in order to get humanity back to reclaim, to repurpose, to reappropriate, it's now finished. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, what was lost in the garden is now restored. What we gave up due to our sin, God now gives back. Intimacy with God, relationships with each other, relationship with creation, our purpose in life, reason for being, everything that we had lost due to our sin, he now gives back. And it's done. It's over. It's finished. We get to celebrate. It is finished. <laughs> but it doesn't feel finished to us, does it? No, it, it still doesn't feel finished. And in fact, in some ways, it feels like we barely even started. You know, Jesus came to show us the way. He, he showed us how to live. He showed us what the kingdom of God is like and what life in the kingdom looks like. He gave us a standard for life, reason for being purpose and everything, that this is what it means to follow him and to live for him. And, and we see all that, how to live life to its fullest. And we see how far away we are from it, how, how far away we are from everything God intended for us. And no, it's not for lack of effort. Oh man, we try, we try all the time. New Year's comes around and we make these resolutions, how we're going to try to be better and live differently. And then, well, we fail. We go to the doctor and the doctor tells us, hey, you need to make these changes in life just to be a little healthier. Here's what you need to do. And for a few weeks, oh man, we put it into practice and then slowly... We drift back into our old routines. Oh, there's something. There's always something in life that we try so hard. And then we end up failing so miserable. And we look and we say, oh, I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. You know, we're not the first people to, to feel that way. In fact, the Apostle Paul experienced just that, the very same struggle. He explains this in, in Romans. And as he's writing to the Romans, he's talking about um, just the gospel and what the gospel is and the ramifications for the gospel, how the gospel works. And then at the end of chapter 7, Paul writes some words that all of us know, all of us relate to. He says, I know what I'm supposed to do but I just can't seem to do it. And I know the things I'm not supposed to do and I keep end up doing them anyway. And then in exasperation, Paul writes, oh, who can rescue me? Who can save me from this body of sin and death? We get so tired of trying to do the right thing and then everything we touch seems to turn out wrong because we can't do the right thing. We end up doing the wrong thing. And then Paul, he writes in his testimony, he continues his testimony and he says this, thanks be to God in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he's the one who fought the battle that we could never win. He's the one who freed us from that sin that so entangles us and he's given us life. He's the one. He fought it. He freed us. He won it. In every time and in every circumstance, Jesus has overcome all of that. Death has lost its sting. Sin has lost its power. You and I, we can now live lives in a different way because we're freed. We're freed from all this that so entangles us from all this weights. We're freed from it. We're free to live. It is finished.
The struggle is finished. The fight is finished. Jesus has fought the fight for us. The fight that we couldn't win and he won. And now all of that, all of that life that he gives, this abundant life, this life of meaning, this life of purpose, oh, he gives it to us. And he takes all of our sin and all of our failures and it's, and it's died. All of our sin, all of our failures buried with Jesus in the tomb. And when, Je- and when the father called Jesus back to life, he left your sin, he left my sin, all that failure, all of it dead. The fight is over. Jesus has won it and now there's life. The fight is over. Jesus has won. You know, it's interesting. You remember back in the Old Testament when uh, Moses is trying to lead the people out of Egypt and there's all these plagues that are afflicted upon the Egyptians and Pharaoh and his people. And then there's the one plague, the last plague, the plague of the Passover. When the angel, God, he tells the people to go and to smear blood on the doorpost so that when the angel of death comes, it will recognize all the faithful people, all the Jews, and they will be left unharmed. But the firstborn of all the Egyptians would die. And so when the angel came and looked around and looked at the doors and looked at the doorpost, it looked for the blood. You know, one thing the angel never did was to go inside the home. And he said, well, well let, me, let me see if you're worthy. Let, let me see if you've done enough, if you're living well enough, if, if, if you measure up. Let, let, let me see your character and your quality and, and how you are. Now the angel of death just looked for the blood. Have you been redeemed? Have you been reclaimed? Have you been reappropriated? And when God looks, for, uh, looks at us, he simply looks and says, has Jesus covered you? Has Jesus paid it all for you? Have you appropriated that? Have you recognized that? Have you repented and believed? You know, that's the call. That's the call to be right with God is simply to repent and believe. You don't have to pray a prayer. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to raise a hand. You have to repent and believe. And then it's finished. It is finished. The work of God in your life finished to live a life, free to live a life, to walk in that sanctification on toward glorification. It's finished. He's done all the work that needs to be done. It is finished. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your work is complete. It doesn't need an amendment. It doesn't need someone to come behind and straighten up a few things. It doesn't need our help, our work. No, it's simply by grace. You've done it all. You've paid it all. You've given it all. It is finished. Hallelujah. Amen.